0: Avital, I absolutely adore your work. You have been a massive life changer and your name is a household name in our home. I'm always starting sentences with Avital said this or that, but I'm struggling with this. Whenever my kids have difficulties in life, like some kids not wanting to play with them or struggling with school, I find myself so distressed. I get in on the drama and try to solve every problem for them. I just don't want them to feel any pain help. In this episode, you'll discover a powerful way of viewing your parenting role so that you can remove yourself from the drama of childhood and be the meaningful support that your children actually need. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital. Welcome to The Parenting Junkie Show. Thank you for tuning in. I know there are a million things you could be doing with your time. I'm so honored you've chosen to spend a little bit of it here with me. I am a mindful parenting coach and the mother of four, and my goal is to help you, my fellow imperfect parent, say goodbye to clutter, chaos, and conflict, and confusion, and reclaim peace, presence, and play for your family. So I know that sometimes it can be really confusing how involved we should get with our children's struggles, how much we should solve problems for them. And this starts very early on. It starts with our babies struggling to learn to sleep or to roll over from their tummies to their backs. It might be a baby who's struggling to learn to stand or take a step, and we want to hold them and support them and stop them from falling And of course, it goes all the way through the years from children being rejected by peers, being called names, and all the way to teenagehood when maybe they are getting a failing grade or someone was mean to them on the internet or whatever it is, whatever struggle they are going through. We can sometimes feel like we don't know how much we should be involved and we can feel like it's happening to us. Like anything that is happening to our child, a diagnosis, an illness, a discomfort, a social awkwardness, any kind of challenge that they're facing can feel like it's our challenge. And we can feel so emotional on this roller coaster. I have to be honest, one of the things I kind of secretly love doing, it's kind of a weird uh, thing that I enjoy, is when I'm at the gym or at a yoga class or at the supermarket or waiting at a bus stop, I love hearing other parents' conversations So often I get to just listen in on a conversation. I'm not like actually listening in, you know, I'm not like eavesdropping where I shouldn't be. But if I'm in a public place and someone's near me having a conversation, then yeah, I might just quieten down and take notes in my head, take some mental notes. Because what I often hear is parents who are so super distressed at their children's experiences of life, at what their children are going through. I hear it so often, moms talking about how worried they are, how upset they are, how they're trying to solve it. And they spoke to this school administrator and they went to this teacher and that teacher and they've done this research and that research and getting very, very involved in our children's challenges, I think is something that we all can relate to. I certainly can. I get it. I really, really do. The trouble is that there is a kind of dance that we have to create throughout life, the dance between independence and dependence, right? The dance between realizing that our children are sovereign, autonomous, emancipated people and we want them to fly the coop, we want them to handle stresses. we want them to grow up strong and resilient and standing on their own two feet. I mean, ultimately, the goal of good parenting is to render yourself irrelevant, Right? The goal of good parenting in some ways, of course, we still want to be relevant in the relationship sense. We still want to be, you know, friends and be there and love each other and share in each other's lives. But we don't want to be something that they depend on anymore. We want them to stand on their own two feet emotionally, financially, socially, physically, in all the different ways that's the eventual goal of raising a healthy, stable child. But it's long and gradual. I mean, when you think of the utter dependency of a fetus, and then the utter dependency of a newborn, and the great dependency, substantial dependency, of a baby and a toddler, and then as the dependency loosens, you know, suddenly our children are able to be mobile by themselves. They're able to walk by themselves. Maybe they're able to talk at that point and they can communicate more without us, even to people who don't know them that well. And, you know, by the time they're four or five, they could spend an entire day without us, theoretically. They might miss us, they might want us, but they're fine, right? They can do that uh, for most healthy children, et cetera. And hopefully you share my goal that by the time your child is, you know, 16, Uh, or so, you know, 14, 15, 16, they can do pretty much everything, including cooking and cleaning for themselves, doing their laundry for themselves, taking a subway train by themselves, taking a flight by themselves, making money by themselves, managing relationships by themselves, apologizing, applications for different programs they want to be in, all of these things. we, We hope that they can eventually make all of those decisions and have all of the life skills that they need by themselves. So we're always dancing this dance and and slowly and gradually releasing the level of dependence as our child grows and develops into it, right? But even from the get-go, children need some independence. Babies even need some independence from us. If we coddle them, if we suffocate them with our tending, you know, if we're tending to them too much, then they don't feel good by that. There's an enmeshment wound there, potentially, we can be too available, too at their disposal, too much solving their problems for them and that doesn't allow them to develop. And I've seen this with people who, for example, hold their babies constantly and their babies sometimes have difficulty learning to crawl or to stand or to walk. Now, there might be a million other reasons for this, and I'm certainly not blaming. I'm just saying you can see it very clearly there. The side effect of constantly holding a baby and not allowing them to be on the floor a little bit is that they don't develop those muscular structures. They don't actually learn how to crawl uh, when they might have been ready to and interested to, because we keep holding them. So that's kind of like you know, over-coddling parenting sometimes. Now, there are some babies that might need that or some cases where that might make sense. I'm certainly not, um, you know, saying that this is prescriptive or all-inclusive or dogmatic, but that's an example of sometimes over-coddling, right? So you obviously need to apply this to you and to your unique child's needs. I sound like a broken record because I always say that, but it's always true. Whatever I say is not relevant for everyone at every time. But the idea is how can we think of ourselves in a supportive role, but not over-supportive, not coddling, not, you know, really stepping in and overtaking our children, kind of over-delivering, over-supportive, so that they atrophy, that they don't, you know, develop their own strength and resilience and curiosity and independency. So I want to introduce you to an incredible framework that I learned from Donald Miller and his book Story Brand, but he teaches it in such a fantastic way, but it's actually an ancient kind of structure. And it's the structure of story, because throughout human history, um, we've used story to teach the next generation about our values and principles and belief systems. And pretty much every good story has seven basic elements within its structure. And you might have heard this before, but my guess is you've never heard it as applied to parenting. And I'd like to share that thought with you today. So the structure of the story is not mine, it's not original to me, but the application of it to parenting is what I want to kind of bring to the table today. So, what is the structure of a basic story? The structure of a basic story is that there's a character, the hero, and they want something, okay? So Donald Miller always brings these examples. I'll rely on his examples. But Luke Skywalker wants to become a Jedi. He wants to know his father, right, in Star Wars. Or Bridget Jones wants to marry her boss. Character, they're a hero, and they have something that they desire, right? That character has a problem, okay? Usually there's a villain. There's some kind of root cause of that problem, someone who's stopping them. And it could be a Societal, you know, law. It could be uh, something within their own selves, right? Um, So it could be Darth Vader, right? There could be a literal villain there. Or with Bridget Jones, it might be that her boss isn't interested in her. And that's the villain. He doesn't fancy her, right? And there's usually in Donald Miller's structure of the story, he explains that there's an external, an internal, and a philosophical problem here. Okay. The external problem is. I literally physically cannot do that thing. There's some kind of technical problem. Uh, Like Luke Skywalker isn't strong enough. He's not a Jedi. He hasn't trained. So he doesn't know how to defeat Darth Vader. And there's an internal problem. So like Bridget Jones isn't confident enough or doesn't feel sexy enough in her own skin. Maybe our internal problems as parents are things like, am I good enough as a parent? Or I don't know what I'm doing. Or I'm scared to mess them up. And the philosophical problem is it's just plain wrong for some reason. And then when we have this character, this hero who has a problem, that is the time when a guide is introduced into the story. So Yoda is Luke Skywalker's guide. Yoda is a Jedi master and he has gone before Luke Skywalker and he knows the path, right? A guide is always someone who has empathy, and authority. And the reason they have both empathy and authority is because they have been in the hero's place, shoes. They've been in their shoes. Um, Yoda was once a young Jedi many hundreds of years ago, and he too knows what it's like to learn to become a Jedi. And therefore he has authority because he's already conquered this, but also he has empathy because he knows what that's like. And then he also has a plan. He gives the hero a plan. Okay, he gives them some kind of process, some kind of agreement. He holds the hero to some kind of expectation and he calls them to action. He always says, here is your mission. Here is your action. This is what you must go forth and do, right? Bridget Jones, it might be her best friend saying, oh, you need a makeover, right? Or whatever it is. It's always that person who's on your side. And if you think back to your own childhood, you'll probably remember someone who was like that, Some person who you are most fond of, that you remember most well from your childhood, they were someone who had accomplished some of what you want to accomplish, but they still hold empathy towards you and they call you to action. They say, you can do it and you will do it. And here's what you need to do next. They give you a plan and that plan and that action leads you, leads the hero to success and it helps them to avoid failure. And so Luke Skywalker meets Yoda, he teaches him how to become a Jedi, and then he can defeat uh, Darth Vader and destroy the Death Star and become a Jedi and understand who his father was and avoid the failure, right? The failure of, of not completing that mission. Okay, so why am I telling you all of this and what has it got to do with parenting? Well, most of us are our own heroes in our own story. You're the hero in your story. I'm the hero in my story. Everybody's the hero in their own story. And we are all on some kind of mission, right? Whatever it is we want to do, we want to build a certain type of life. We want to build a business. We want to build a family. We want to become someone. We want to lose weight. We want to learn a skill. We are on some kind of mission and we're wrapped up in our own problem. We're wrapped up fighting our own Darth Vader, our own villain, right? We're wrapped up thinking about our internal and external issues. We're googling our problems. We're trying to find solutions, right? And we're looking for guides and we find guides in the books that we read or the teachers that we find or the courses that we take or the podcasts that we listen to. We find guides and they give us a plan and they call us to action and we take that action and we create success. Here is the flip that I want you to switch in, the switch that I want you to flip, yes, in your own life when it comes to your child. We as parents are not the hero. As parents, we are the guide. Now, Donald Miller applies this strategy and this story to businesses, but I want to apply it to parenting. And he does so brilliantly, by the way. If you're running a business, you must read his work. It's fabulous. But in parenting, it's not so different. If you think about it, Many of the things that we do towards our children and the way that we behave towards them is because we think of ourselves as the hero, the kind of parent we want to be, the kind of child we want to have, how we want that to reflect on us. But to be a good parent, what we need to realize is that in our child's lives, we are the guide. And then we need to learn what it means to be a good guide. In essence, it's learning good leadership skills, It's learning what it means to be a good leader and I would love to touch on that in a separate episode. So please shout me out on Instagram if you would like that, just DM me. But here, let's just talk about the guide, okay? Something that's interesting to mention here is that the hero in a story is always the weakest character. The hero is the one with a problem, the one that needs to overcome an issue. So how can we apply this to our children's lives? Well, children are small. They're dependent. They are not emancipated, sovereign, autonomous individuals yet. They are still immature. They're still growing and they still can't do all of the things that they might want to do. They don't have all of the information and skills. They're not grown up. Let's just kind of blanket term all of that stuff of of learning and maturing and gaining skills and insight and information and learning from mistakes and all of that stuff as growing up. So our children's problem, in essence, is that they're not grown up. All children want to grow up. They're looking for the next year, the next birthday to get bigger, to get stronger. They want independence in that sense, right? Bridget Jones wants to marry her boss. Luke Skywalker wants to know his father. Our children want to grow up to become independent, autonomous individuals. But they have a problem. The problem is that they aren't grown up yet, that they're still small. The child who wants to open that jar by themselves, but they're not strong enough to yet. Or the baby who wants to stand and walk, but they aren't yet able to. They haven't yet mastered that skill. Or the teenager who wants to drive, but they're not yet safe on the roads or the eight-year-old who wants to buy a Lego set but they haven't yet saved enough money for it. These are the problems that our children face in the sense that they aren't yet autonomous, they aren't yet fully independent. And throughout the years they'll become more and more independent, they haven't yet grown up. Here's another set of problems that relates to not being grown up, it's that they're not mature emotionally yet. They can't handle disappointment, frustration, conflict, tiredness, hunger with equanimity. They can't yet be fully patient and wait their turn and express their feelings with words and use their words only and not their hands. They can't yet do that. They have to master those skills and that takes years of guidance. And who is that guide? Us. It's you, it's me, it's every parent out there. Our role is to be the grown up who has authority and empathy because we were once kids too we were once unable to handle our emotions and unable to use our words and unable to wait our turn and we were once feeling small and incapable and like we couldn't make any of money of our own and any decisions on our own or drive our own car or be able to go shopping on our own or manage our friendships on our own or choose our own clothes and our own activities and our own schedule the way that we can do today. And frankly, many of us haven't yet grown up. I know I'm still in the process of managing my emotions and being mature myself. So we have empathy because we were once there. We were once children. And maybe we can even hold some empathy because sometimes we're still there. Sometimes we still behave. We reverse back ourselves into that regression of being like a two-year-old or like a five-year-old. But we must step more wholly, more confidently into our authority as a guide, because hopefully what we're doing now is actually growing up. We've actually mastered some of these things. We're actually learning to take control of our health, of our schedule, of our bank accounts, of our finances, of our relationships, of ourselves as adults, as autonomous individuals, as emancipated, sovereign beings who can handle ourselves and our lives. That's how we become an effective guide for our children. And I know that many of you are listening and being like, ah, I'm not quite there yet. I don't quite feel like I'm a good guide. I'm still figuring it out myself. I'm still growing up myself. And I want you to tune in next week because we're gonna talk exactly about that, about growing up ourselves to be a good guide for our children. But in this episode, I'm just trying to focus on what it means to be a good guide. So to be the guide means that we have empathy and we have authority. And it also means that we offer a plan and we call our children to action. And what that means is that we have empathic, firm limits with them. We know what is allowed, what is expected, and what is not allowed and not expected. But we don't get sucked into the drama of childhood. I mean, if you think about Yoda Yoda isn't there when Luke Skywalker is fighting Darth Vader, when he's crying or when he's struggling. Yoda is there so centered, so calm, so confident, as if he's kind of almost seeing from above the full picture. And he knows that Luke Skywalker must go through ups and downs, and training and difficulty. And eventually, he too will, you know, arise victorious. He too will overcome. But Yoda isn't getting into the nitty-gritty. He's more a high-level guide. He's more there observing, giving a plan, giving the step-by-step, first we'll do this, then you'll do this, then you'll become a Jedi. And now it's time to take the first step. And frankly, that's what we need to be doing, but, you know, in micro, every day, right? We're gonna have a bath, then we're gonna read a book, then we're gonna go to bed. Now it's time to take off your clothes for bath. We're going to get our shoes on. We're going to grab our snack bag. We're going to get into the car. Now it's time to get our shoes on. We are guides. The child is the hero. The child has the big problem that they want to overcome. The big problem of growing up. It's a big problem that takes 18 years to figure out, or maybe 21 or 25, depending on where you live. But it takes a few years to become an adult, to grow up, to overcome this dependency that children have on their parents. And slowly, slowly they will. But we need to be a firm guide for them. And remember, the guide is so collected, is centered, is grounded. The guide doesn't bring their issues to the hero. Yoda isn't coming to Luke Skywalker and saying, oh, I've had such a hard day. I can't handle any more of this. Yoda takes care of himself. Yoda takes care of business. Yoda is the mature adult in the room. Yoda is all grown up and so grown up, in fact, that he can even be playful. He has space. He has, you know, overflow of patience in his heart because he's taken care of. He's done his big journey. So for us to be good parents, we need to be in that kind of mindset. Like, dude, I'm good. I take care of me. I am so solid, so grounded, so clear in my guidance, so clear in my hero's journey that I've overcome. I own all of the lessons I've already learned and all of the personality and characteristics I've built within myself and the values that I've developed and the relationships and the network and the support system and the physical aspect, the home I'm building, the jobs I'm doing, all of the things I'm so solid in all of that, that I can now be a guide to you in this moment. I can give you a plan. I can call you to action. I can be clear that this is how you reach success, right? And, you know, for me, there are many things that I feel that I can do that for my children with. Not everything. I'm still figuring out a lot. But a lot of it is about saying, no, I'm clear that I'm going to provide you this type of home, this type of schedule, this type of education, this type of bedtime, this type of Saturday, this type of Sunday, this type of afternoon, this type of response when this happens, this type of caring and this type of stimulation, community, input, output, all of the things that I create that build a life, that build your life, those are the plans that you're putting down in place for your children. Those are the actions that you're calling them to. When I have an expectation of my child that they clear the table after they finish eating, when I have an expectation of them that they put their clothes in the laundry when they're done with them, when I have an expectation of them that they come and sit at the family dinner together, or that they help a friend when a friend is having a difficult time, or all of those things, that's calling my child to action. Every time I hold a firm and empathic limit with them, I'm calling them to action and leading them to success on their journey. I'm not the hero. It's not for me. I already grew up. I already know this stuff. I already know how to read. I already know how to make friends. I already know how to make money. I already know how to be healthy, right? I already know how to be an adult because I did my growing up. Now I need to be a firm guide for my child. Now, if this sounds arrogant, don't take it that way. Of course, I still have growing up to do and I'm still learning and it's a journey that lasts life, right? I also have my guides, right? I have my Jedi masters that I turn to and that I learn from. But for my children, I owe it to them to step out of the hero role, to stop being so confused and floundering and, you know, I'm not sure where I'm going in my life or who I am or how to be a happy, healthy adult. And instead making that something that I have authority on, making that now something that I am complete with. So learning to view myself in a more powerful leadership role Well, actually, I did a lot of growing up. And I know this is true of you too. You've done a ton of growing up. You've overcome a ton of adversity. You've learned so many things. You are not the same you that you were 10 years ago. You are absolutely not the same you as you were just before you had children. And of course, you'll continue to grow and evolve your whole life. But in terms of where you want to be for your child, you want to be that guide, that grounded, centered guide that doesn't Hog the spotlight that doesn't say it's all about me, and I'm still figuring things out, and I still need attention, and I need help, and I right. Of course, you do need help. Yeah, you need all of the support. But in terms of the relationship between you and your child, you take the spot of the guide and allow them to be the hero. The hero is a weak character in the sense that they have a problem, they have a desire, they need to overcome something. There's a there's there's difficulties in their lives, and they need a strong guide to inspire them to say, baby, I've been there. You're doing great. You will overcome this. I totally get you. I know the steps to get you through this. First you do A, then you do B, then you do C, and you're gonna be successful. And I think that whilst we shouldn't be telling our children how to live their lives, at least in their early childhood, they need that plan from us. And I believe they need it well into teenagehood as well. They need that guidance. They need that strong confidence-centered guidance to help them to avoid the failures of growing up, the pitfalls of unhealthy emotional development, of, you know, things that we don't want for any child. And so I invite you to measure every situation with your child against this framework. How are they the hero in this situation and I'm the guide? Think about a child playing with blocks How are they the hero? It's their journey, it's their interest, it's their fight, it's their problem to solve. I'm just here to guide. I don't need to step in and do it for them. Yoda is never gonna step in and fight Luke Skywalker's fight for him. He's just that, you know, in the background, the confidence voice that gives Luke the confidence that he can do it too, just like Yoda has done it. How can we become the guide for our children? Now, next week, I'm going to actually go into being the guide. Because what if you don't feel like you have authority? What if you don't feel like you have empathy? What if you don't feel like you're a good role model or like you're standing on your own two feet or like you've fully grown up? I'm going to expose a concept that I've recently been thinking about and that I've shared a little bit here and there. It's called I am the curriculum. And I can't wait to share it with you next week. If you're listening to this as it hits, then May is coming up and that is the only time we open enrollment for Present Play, our global village where intentional parents thrive. We're kicking things off with a three-week live challenge starting April 15th. It's called the Reclaim Play Challenge and it's designed to kick you into action with decluttering, strewing, and bundling. If you're not even sure what those things mean, you need to join us. It's going to revolutionize the way your child plays and the way you feel at home and as a parent. Go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash challenge to sign up for free, even if it's after April 15th, you can still join us.